Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast from MediaBios.com. Joining me today is TJ. Hello, and I'm Chris, and we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. That's as much as I can do, or else we'd have to pay HBO money. But yeah, so we're here to talk about it. Um, we had the episode of the third of its name. The Long Night. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, last night was a long night. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're here to talk about kind of the recap of our first, uh, big epic episode this season. Um, yeah, any, any thoughts or do you want to jump right into it? Um, I liked it. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I haven't disliked any episodes this season. Right. So it seems like it's, uh, finishing strong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really... There's not much, like, theory to talk about other than just kind of recap and review. Yeah, and so like that's our, our favorite parts and our least favorite parts. Yeah, maybe, and that was talking talk. Yeah. There's not much to talk about, so we're going to talk about it for another half hour. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it was it was, it was was very gripping, very tense. I was on the, the edge of my seat basically the whole time. Um, I thought that the action was filmed uh, super well. Um, just how claustrophobic it felt, just how tight they would shoot all of, like, our hero characters, um, save for, like, a couple moments of slinking and sneaking. Uh, there was, like, a lot of, and even the crypt felt really small and really, like, where before it has, has always felt so, like, vast and empty and, like, right. open, and, like, it just tr- goes on forever. Like, even the shots of the crypt felt really tight and, right. like, there was, there was no refuge even within the safe place. Um, which wasn't safe. Alt-Shift-X nailed that one. (coughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like somebody there should have... (coughs) Excuse me! Thought about it? Someone there should have thought about it? Someone there should have thought about it, yes. (laughs) I mean, it seems pretty obvious. But, I mean, I don't know. It's not like they all knew... You know, John and Tormund pretty much were the only ones there that had seen that happen, and they don't know, like, the lore behind it, or, yeah. like, the mythos of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's not... They just know that when the Night King raises the roof, that dead people stand back up. Right. Um, <clears throat> but... And they were probably hoping that... I mean, I didn't know that it would extend that far from where the Night King was. I mean, God, he was way the fuck out there. Yeah, I mean, he was he was basically just, like, at the... Like, even not even at, like, the front gate. Yeah, also, like, where else are you going to put him? Right. There's not, like, a better option. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess they could have, like, emptied the crypts. Yeah, or, like, burned the bodies. Yeah. But there's no way you get Northerners to agree, like, all right, now we're going to make all these dragonglass weapons, and we're going to train all of your sons and daughters to fight. They're probably all going to die. And we're also going to desecrate the graves of all the important people who've ruled over the North. Right. It's like, nah, they're not going to go that far. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't really know how much of a recap I want to do. I think I'll, I'll hit some, some high points. Um, I think that, you know, people have been talking about the MVP of the episode, and there's one that we definitely can't ignore. Kind of uh, a really important uh, fuse that uh, gets lit, which is, a you know, no pun intended, uh, Mel Sondra comes back. Yeah. She's been gone. She said goodbye to Varys outside the cliffs of Dragonstone and was fucking around doing whatever. But uh, as the armies are set up on the battlefield, she's like, hey, wait a second. Like, let me, let me, like, help you guys out. And she comes out and she lights the Dothraki uh, swords and 
She is important. She's the one who lights the trenches, and she's the one who gives Arya the uh, the wherewithal to remember that she's, you know... A little badass. Yeah, a little badass. She's not a soldier. She's a, you know... Assassin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to do what she does best. Um, but yeah, so Melisandre arriving was really cool. It's also important because she's um, she's one of the names on the list of the God of Death this week. Yeah. Um, a list that was much shorter than I think a lot of people intended. Um yeah, but still some uh, still pulled on some heartstrings. Yeah, um, I think most of them were deserving in the way that they were like they were they were badass ways to go. Yeah, I mean I think most most people I feel like because it's my favorite was probably you know I mean Theon's was awesome but right Little Lady Mormont yeah was I mean if you're gonna kill that character that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, she's been... The, uh, I mean, it's such an easy metaphor, but she's been battling giants her entire life. Right. People who've told her she's not fit to rule, people who've told her she's just a girl, so who cares, um, and then ends up slaying uh, a giant. I don't know if that was 1-1. One, one. I wasn't really paying attention to that part of it. Uh, and they had giants before, so right. we don't know. But irrelevant, I guess. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so that was basically what I was going to do, is I was going to say, you know... We've got some some key members of uh, you know the the Westerosi um, kind of future history uh, kind of ending their their watch a little early, um, including and first with the Melisandre appearance. Uh, it looks like the Dothraki are no longer going to be in Westeros. They're a couple, right? Because they, they ran some, back. Some of the calls are still alive. Yeah, they ran back with Jorah. Yeah, um, but we definitely lost uh, Quanth. The he was one of the ones who initially like kept uh, Danny prisoner, and he ended uh, up being like her counsel, like her Dothraki counsel. Oh. The guy was always in the room with in Dragonstone with her. Right. Yeah. Um, we saw him wake up. Yeah. Get get raised. Yeah. So uh, I loved how that was shot, kind of like because Melisandre lights their swords, uh, they like go running off into like the darkness because it's pitch black. And all you see is, like, very slowly, from John and Danny's perspective, on, like, a bluff far away, and from Jorah's pers- not Jorah's, but of, um... Sir Davos. Davos and T- Jamie and, uh, Brienne's perspective, just, like, one by one, all their, like, lights getting snuffed out. Yeah. Uh, so... And then, and then a few, like, horses and stragglers, including Jorah. Yeah. Coming that, back. Yeah, they make it back. Jorah not without his battle wounds. Um... And then that kind of precipitates the rush from the the undead. The whites kind of come charging in, um, and it basically goes to complete chaos after that. Yeah, because they're not really trying to fight as much. There's not a lot of fighting going on. It's essentially a wall of unsullied, right? That are just kind of holding their ground. Yeah, much. they're they're trying to wait long enough until the Night King decides to show himself and get catch them in the trap in the Godswood. Um, which I guess Bran was the only one who knew what that trap was actually going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, he definitely knew. He gave Arya the dagger. Yep, and said, this will be of more use to you than me, trust me. And it's like, well, we're fucking right about that. Yeah. Um, but then we get our first our first named character death, um, on-screen death. Uh, Dolores Ed, yeah. uh, the, the Night's Watch, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, uh, takes a uh, sword to the to the back of the head as he's saving Samwell Tarly. Which is a nice throwback to, I guess, season three or four when they leave Sam. Yeah. Uh, north of the wall behind a rock as the army of the undead kind of marches around him. And uh, Sam lets him know, 
think, if I remember right, when he gets back to Castle Black, that he doesn't appreciate it yeah. too much. So this is Ed kind of, not like full redemptive, but right. definitely a little nod there. I mean, he's, past. he's definitely excited, not excited, but he is like, he expects Sam. He, you know, they, they make the joke in 802, they, they call him like Sam the, Sam the White Slayer, and they yeah, like yeah. make fun of that. But like when he finally gets to like the front line and stands next to Ed, Ed's like, "Took you long enough." Yeah. Like I'm glad you're here, basically. Right. Uh, which is a cool, cool turn for someone who couldn't lift their family sword right. like hours earlier. Yeah. Um. So that all goes to shit. Um. Basically, the whites pile on like World War Z, and it's clear what they're doing. Like they're not, they're punching into areas. Where I think they think that they or the Knights King or the White Walkers think that they can get a a, a shortest line in, right. because you kind of see these spears come in, not actual spears, but like spears of whites, kind of coming in because Tormund notices, looks to the side, and is like, "Why are they getting rushed over there?" Like, right, you know, a hundred men away. Um, so they end up breaking the ranks, and everyone drops back. They Danny get, and John kind of abandon their plan and get involved. Right, because as they fly, I mean, the Night King still hasn't shown himself, so as they fly over, at the tree line is the line of other White Walkers, um, and it's clear that there's some magicking going on, and the Night King is, is involved, because this blizzard comes from out of nowhere, and basically Blinding. blinds yeah. them. Yeah, right. blinds everyone, because they don't need, they can see through it. They don't need like, to the actual point where sight. Danny and John run into each other, riding... Yeah, the, Rhaegal and Drogon. Yeah. Um... So, you know, later on we find out that it's, you know, that the Night King is hovering above, kind of watching all the action, waiting for his, his moment. Right. Um, and, and there's, that's kind of like the B plot of this episode is Danny and John are chasing after the Night King for most of the events of, you know, the hour and 20 minute long episode. Right. Um, but so, you know, they, they, they break formation, retreat behind the castle, everyone, but, but Ed is alive and well, maybe not well, um, but they they have to make a call. You know they've got this trap set up where they'll drop the bridge and encircle Winterfell in flames. Um, we know, having watched the show and having seen um, Hard Home, you know fire is will kill a White Walker and it will kill a White. But you know the Night's King can like suppress flames with cold right. and can walk through it. So once Grey Worm makes the difficult decision to strand the Unsullied to kind of keep holding the line for as long as humanly possible, um, they, you know, make a human bridge, and or human undead human bridge, right. and just you know put the fire out with their bodies in just enough places so they can start like attacking the walls of Winterfell. Right. Um, from there, uh, we move on to our second casualty, um, the one you talked about, uh, the one. The saddest one, but also one of the, 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 the strongest deaths, I think, this episode, um, is Liana Mormont, you know, gets beaten up by a giant who finally breaks through the, the actual gate of Winterfell, um, and she surprises him. Uh, lots of lots of good dagger play this episode. Yeah. And stabs him in his one good eye, and he, uh, you know, turns to ice shards, dropping her dead body. Yeah, pretty much goats him into... Yeah. Picking her up. Yeah. Um, Looks like he's about to eat her. Yeah. And crushes her bones. Yeah. And with her, like, last little ounce of yeah. badass girl energy. Yeah. Gets him in the eyeball. Um, 
from there, it's it's kind of chaos from there. We get a lot of scenes of the dead, like, piling over the wall. Um, they've, you know, retreated from the ramparts and are just kind of doing the best they can, fighting off the horde. You know, everyone's everyone's still kicking, pretty much. Um, Tormund and Pod and Brienne and Jamie and uh, Gendry are all killing so many of them that they're creating a mountain of them to stand on. Yeah, I liked your point there, too, at the, uh, I guess a little bit before what you're talking about, but you had a really cool shot. I think it was Brent's favorite. Yeah. Too, which was uh, kind of back-to-back. Brienne and Jamie with Oathkeeper would as well. Yeah. So you get this, like, there's a lot of recall in this episode. Yeah. So that's, you know, essentially the, the two ones that Tywin broke down. Ice to make the two Valyrian swords. Yeah. So you got Ice kind of together again defending Winterfell, which was... Yeah, it was kind of a funny moment because, like, all along when you think, think like, ice and fire, fire's the good guys, ice is the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the scene of, uh, you know, the the background is is framing the shot in flame from the trenches being lit. Right. And in the foreground, you've got Jamie and Brienne silhouetted, like, basically carrying ice. Right. So you've got ice and fire there, and just, like, re- it's a really neat shot. Yeah, it is really cool. Um but yeah, and I don't mean this as like, you know, a meme, but like nothing really like super important happens for a while now. I don't think you know it's important. I think you get important stuff throughout the middle third of the episode with Arya kind of yeah. going through her stages of training yeah, um, without knowing it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, using what she knew as like a kid and how well she knew Winterfell. Yeah. Hiding and running around and playing and getting yelled at for it all the time. The way she did is Aerie and... Yeah. Uh, Fuck, I forgot the name when she was like the the kid car- chasing cats in what in King's Landing. Yeah, um, but that and then you've got her training with the waif using her cool like dragon glass double bladed spear. Yeah, um, and then all the way up until she finally gets the basically like the go ahead from Melisandre to like and now you need to show off your skills as a cool assassin. Right. Um, but before that, uh, we get another character death. Um, you know. Everyone's basically retreated from the ramparts of the castle, and Ar- Arya is running through and bumps into Beric, Dondarrion, and uh, Clegane. Clegane, uh, the Hound, has just been uh, reinvigorated to fight because he sees like how badass Arya is being, and they, they he sees her like in trouble. Is how I saw it a little bit, but yeah, he pretty much you you kind of realize I think that Beric Dondarrion's last. He's been brought back so many times. His purpose, I guess, is what the show would call it, was to kind of slap the hound into shape, right, and save Arya. Our MVP. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Arya. Every, every Stark needs their direwolf, and the hound will do. Um, yeah. So, Beric kind of makes like a makes like a human wall as uh, the hound and Arya being chased through the halls of Winterfell, and uh, and finally breathes his last breath. Um, For real this time. Yeah, as Melisandre says, uh, you know, he had his purpose and his purpose has ended. That was it. Um, So then they're they're kind of in, it looks like like the the, the council hall. Yeah. uh, Where we had that that cool fireside chat chat last last episode. And then Arya, um, yeah, they're hanging out there for a little bit. Uh, we get like kind of like a meanwhile in the skies above Westeros. A lot of that, and there's like like you said, there's not a ton going on there, right? Um, they're most they're not doing well. Yeah, they're they're they 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 finally catch him, and it looks like and uh, Rhaegal rips open the throat of the 
the dead and resurrected um, Viserion. Yes. Um, but that doesn't fucking matter because he's... Now he's got permanent fire coming out of his throat yeah. along with the <clears throat> stream of blue fire. Yeah, now he's turned into into a like a splitter instead right. of just like a regular outlet. Right. Um, but uh, after that, uh, John's dragon kind of takes a fall, uh, but not before... Uh, Danny swoops in and knocks the Night King off his dragon. Um, so, you know, John kind of sees the Night King from afar and starts chasing after him. And the Night King does his I'm going to raise the dead business. And now suddenly the, you know, hundreds of thousands of Unsullied and Dothraki and Whites. People. Yeah. <laughs> they are all alive. And John is like racing towards the Night King and almost gets there. And then gets basically like trapped um, until Danny lands Drogon and breathes a bunch of fire on them and tries to breathe fire on the Night King because all along people keep saying, "Well, dragon fire should kill White Walkers, but we don't know." Right, it would kill White Walkers. Right, we think, but in but an not, un- but not this White Walker. Yeah, in an unsurprising turn, uh, they don't kill the Night's King fifty minutes into <laughs> yeah an hour and twenty five minute long episode. Right. Um. So, a bunch of whites jump on Drogon, and John kind of pursues the Night King, uh, but ends up getting trapped in a courtyard with uh, with the the wounded kind of um, undead uh, Viserion, um, and lighting all kinds of shit on. Yeah, with blue flame. Yeah, and Danny's thrown from her dragon, and Jorah shows up as he always has for Danny to defend her. And the two of them kind of make like a last stand. I think they both assume that they're dead. Right. Um, just kind of hope that John can get the job done. <clears throat> yeah, Danny with a blade. Yeah. And uh, Jorah with Heart's Bane. Yeah. So they they keep fighting it out, and then we kind of cut to the godswood. Um, the Night King has made his road, and it's a clear path. Uh, he used Viserion to knock down the walls of Winterfell, which after the one they knocked down before was a pretty easy job. Yeah. Um, and they kind of march in like a, like a hip hop crew, just like... Well, you do get, I think before that, I thought, thought the scene in the Weirwood was cool. Yeah. Before that, with all the whites. Yeah. And you see that Theon, who does have, um, I can't remember her name now. The, uh, not the Umbers, but the other ones. Alice Karstark. Yeah. Who's there with him. Um, she doesn't really have it on death screen. She probably doesn't, the character doesn't deserve one. I mean, she's not a main character. But it is somebody who, you know... Shadow Winterfell, for lack of a better word, with yeah. the Umbers beforehand, and John pardoned the yeah. boy Umber and her specifically. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of cool. They're making the last stand, uh, you know, before the end zone. And they all know, everybody that's there, I feel like, knows they're dying. Yeah. I mean, these, these are the Ironborn who are sworn to Theon and Theon alone. Right. They're the people who've been with him, like, for all his fuck-ups and all his adventures and everything. Yeah. So, like, if he's like, we're going to die here, they're like, all right. Yeah. We'll follow you. Yeah. Um, and it's something that, that I think... That I said it last podcast, but I just wanted to say it again. People forget, like, Theon's just kind of... He's been reek. Like, what good is he? He's, like, from season one, episode one, shown as, like, the best archer in Winterfell. Yeah. Like, he's basically, like, Robin Hood level of, like, accurate and effective with a bow. And you get another uh, kind of throwback nod to something prior, but his... Uh speech when he has Winterfell, mm-hmm. when he's like, we'll die when the Boltons are coming to take Winterfell back, when yeah. the Boltons are still kind of on the good side. Yeah. Um, 
But he gives this big rousing speech of like, we'll die here and they'll know that we died defending the walls of Winterfell and then his people like knock him out pretty much, making fun of him. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the beginning of Theon's like demise into just horrible, horrible shit. Yeah. Uh, until really this season of the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, he, he earns it. He's... So, But he gets that speech again, pretty yeah. much. Make every arrow count. You know what I mean? We're going to def- die defending Winterfell and he means it this time and he succeeds. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Succeeds both in defending and dying doing it. Yep. Um, so yeah, so he's, you know, the the Whites have kind of wheeled down the Defenders, the Ironborn, the Karstarks. Um, he's the only one to, to just him, the him um, Bran. Yep. Theon and Bran. Bran's been warging into God knows what. Um, we'll never we see, know. We see ravens. Right. But uh, we'll either never know or he'll give us a little. Right. There's something that popped in my head was that he might have... Um, we're going to Ravens to just kind of go rally everybody else and say, like, we won. Right. Cersei abandoned us. Yeah. We have this war coming next. It's interesting, though, because cause Bran, is, Bran is on the side of the living, so for him to pick, like, a political side, I, I wonder if that's at all important to him or if he's going to retreat back to the uh, to the place where uh, uh, Sir Brendan Rivers was the Three-Eyed Raven from. Right. Um, kind of a... Even though they burned that tree, he might go there because it's the the birthplace of the White Walkers. And you never know; they're like mortal enemies. I mean, the Three Eyed Raven and the Night King. Yeah. So once the Night King's dead, does he, he revert back to just the Stark? Yeah. Like his goal is done. The Three Eyed Raven's purpose is kind of over at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he also may say like 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 that like the go full hermit mode. Be like my purpose is done. Yeah. Like later. Right. Um, or my purpose is done. You know, let's kick ass. Yeah, I'm I'm done with that now. Yeah, so we don't know with Brand. We might never know. <laughs> yeah. So Theon, Theon is like you know the the Night King is standing before Theon, and uh, and Theon is equipped with just like a spear uh, of dragon glass, and Brand says, you know, you're a good man, Theon. Like you're. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And so he charges and gets gets got by the Night King quite easily. Yeah. Um, no one, I think, thought that Theon had a chance. But you have to try. Yeah. Right. And now we're to the point where, you know, the Night King takes care of Theon. Slowly walks up to Bran. Um, it's pretty time to do all that. And another nod back to this season mm-hmm. when John's at the Weirwood in the same place where all this is happening. And Arya sneaks up on him. Yeah. And he says, quote, like, how'd you sneak up on me? So, mm-hmm. this is something she's done before, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Um, and she kind of ninja flies yeah. over everybody, and nobody sees her coming until uh, the last two feet. Nightwalker turns around, snatches her, and you get your last nod yeah. to a previous scene. Yeah, the, the, the training scene between Arya and Brienne where she drops a dagger from one hand into the other, and... Stabs him in the chest and he turns into a bunch of icicles. Which causes every other White Walker and White. Yeah. To uh, be gone. Yeah. It was. I, I, I watched that last scene again today. Um, <clears throat> it's cool. You, you kind of see a smirk from Bran. Just like the corner of his mouth starts to turn up. And then the Night King, the same. Like the same. Maybe I'm like seeing that. Yeah. But I can kind of see that they're both like, you know, like the Night King looks like pleased. That he's finally got the three-eyed raven, but then 
brand kind of like starts to like smile a little bit and then you just see Arya jumping into the frame. Right. Um, the other cool thing that I really liked was the um, was the way that Viserion dropped. He dropped like a puppet where you cut the strings. Yeah. It was just like there was no like muscle at all still controlling it. It was just everything right. straight to the ground. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was a cool ending. Uh, felt good with Arya. And then you also once you see the victory, I think I kind of pieced together everything like, oh, the Unsullied that Danny brought that were left and sacrificed outside of the fire pit yeah. to Theon's little rush, like all that had to happen. Right. Um, it, it's any anytime you saw the whites having to pause their advance, that was crucial timing. Right. To put Arya in the right place, the Night King in the right place, and Bran alone at the right time. Right. Um, yeah, it was. It, it's all instrumental. Even like, you know. Danny and John chasing the Night King around. Yeah. Like, all that. Even if they, like, you know, knocked him off his, his dragon immediately. It was all super important to it. Um, right. We we flash back out to the, uh, to just outside the walls of Winterfell, uh, where we get our final character death of the episode. Oh, well, not final. The penultimate character death of the episode. Um, Jorah, uh, after... You know, fighting with Danny for as long as they possibly could is just taking too many wounds, and dies on his back. Uh, you know, trying, struggling to say "I love you" to her, um, and then Drogon flies over to them and gives them a big cuddle hug. Yeah. Um, but the actual last one, Melisandre tells Davos when she shows up, "You don't have to execute me. I'm going to be dawn. I'm going to be dead by the dawn." And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be dawed. <laughs> I'm gonna be so dawed. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so she after her business is done and all her firelighting and inspira- uh, inspirational speeches, um, she kind of takes her necklace off and walks off into the ice. Slowly turns into the old lady we saw a few seasons ago. And yeah, that's yeah. I wonder if this is like. I'm starting to get into like the the talking about what we think is going to happen. Well, uh, you said we were going to talk about this for 30 minutes, and we've done it. So. Yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm curious to know if this is just like Melisandre thought that this was an appropriate time, or if now the religion around Rahalor is done. Yeah, I mean, my thought was she served her purpose. But like, have all red priests served their purpose now? Maybe. And so, like... If that's the case, is there, like, seppuku happening all over Essos and all the Red Priests are, like, killing themselves? Or at least not killing themselves, but, like, swearing off the the religion entirely? Maybe. There were... I definitely... I got a little bit of a vibe of her feeling bad from what Dream. ends up being misinterpreting yeah. the Lord of Light. Yeah. And, and her death may have been kind of owed yeah. at that point because she... Literally killed somebody that didn't need to be. She was just wrong, right? About her religion and about this god who, you know, we're in the Game of Thrones universe, so it's all real, right? But <clears throat> it's it's funny though to think because uh, you you could say the same thing about her buying Gendry and using his blood, but that's a very important thing that happens because that's when she tells Arya for the first time, "You will shut many eyes, like brown eyes, black eyes, blue eyes." And then she repeats it again. So that's almost like a necessary thing. Right. And like Bran tells Theon. And maybe the, I mean the, you know, killing uh, the girl. Shireen. Shireen, sorry. Um, 
I mean, that does put Davos on the path to John and Danny, right? And as Bran tells Theon, like everything you did up to this point got you here, right? Like you you can't take one thing out of it and pretend like you'd still be here with the same motivations with the same people around you, right? Um, but I also think that there's a human element to it, and and <clears throat> Melisandre probably was like, after this battle is over, Davos is still going to want to execute me, maybe like. Yeah. You know, and if, if you're Davos, like, basically your daughter got killed. Right. Um, but that also, my, my next question is still uh, Lord of Light uh, related. Um, do you think this means that Arya Stark is Azor High? I don't know. I was thinking about that last night after you know, I watched an episode over at Chris's house with, with him. After I got home, I thought about it some, and I don't know. I mean, there's... The, the mythos there is so fucking vague. Right? right. That it could have been like Arya or John or Danny or Melisandre. Or Bran. Yeah. The young, like anybody, they all helped bring down the Night King in very like direct ways. Right. So, I don't know. But there is, there is at least like specific words that Melisandre has said about Azor High, And we know that her predictions aren't always 100%. And she says that the Lord of Light misleads and plays tricks, but it's all like it's all up to interpretation. Sometimes it's it's your fault for misinterpreting the the visions, right? Um, but she has said that you know Azora High will be you know the one to end the long night. She says you know the light that breaks the darkness, like all of these things that like when we have the long night embodied into the Night's King. Arya is the one who ends that. Like, kind of like a, yes, you're right, that lots of axes have cut this tree, but there's one felling blow. Right. And it's Arya Stark. Sure. Um, I mean, she could be also, but though my follow-up and kind of a asshole question is like, what does it matter? It, yeah, it doesn't. This is, it does the top Azor Ahai's like purpose is to end the long night, and that's done now. Right. So, um, it might be one of those, like, Tarantino, like, I don't want you to see what's in the briefcase kind of things. We might never get it explicitly told. Yeah. Because there's no, who knows. Right. Who would be able to tell us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also, it it feels like cheating a little bit from my perspective. And also, like, as, like, an omniscient viewer perspective. Because you get to see that, like, Jack and Hagar is killing people, is taking their faces and using magic to, like, wear their faces and have their voice. Mm -hmm. Because they worship and pay, you know, tithe to... The, the faceless god, they get these, like, special powers. Like, Melisandre casted fire spells, like, two different times this episode, and has brought people back from the dead, and so did Thoros of Mir. Thoros of Mir did it with Beric, like, nine times. And Beric's sword is always on fire. Right. Like, so there, there is, like, it's not just religion, it's magic. Right. So, like, it's like saying, like, well, presuming that Christianity is true, then people who are true, devout followers of... Jesus Christ can also turn water into wine. Right. They can also make loaves of bread and fish feed from one to fifty. Right. You know. Um, so that's why I kind of go that extra step further. Like yeah. watching the Passion of the Christ, I don't watch it and go like, "What happens now?" Right. Like what really happened? <laughs> so I know that you know it's written by men, but in here we get to see that like gods are interfering with the lives of men. Right. We also have like you know King Ice Wizard, you know. Throwing like Olympic javelins at dragons, right? <laughs> so true, but so you're. I, I agree though. I don't think it, it, it really matters that much, right? Um, so 
Then I guess the main question after, you know, two episodes where we had like plot, 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 character growth, character growth, character growth, one episode that was basically two episodes long that was like culmination of all of those relationships and, you know, the main motivations for a lot of characters kind of come to a head and resolve, uh, where do we go now? I mean, and the obvious answer is we go to King's Landing. We go south. Yeah. But how does this shake out from here? I don't know. I think I got some vibes there near the end. But I got some serious vibes from Sansa kind of in the crypt with Tyrion that maybe she realizes, you know, that the talk with... Um, Missandei? Yeah. That Danny is probably more fit. Yeah. Um, so I think that... Also, I just know how much time we have left, and we don't have a lot of time to spend resolving that little bullshit conflict. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that Sansa is a super important character to go south. Um, and I think that, that we'll have resolution. Uh, we, we get in the... A short resolution. We get in the uh, next time on a very short scene where where the, the, the voiceover from, from Danny is, uh, we have won... Uh, We've won the the long war, and now it's time to win the last war. Yeah. Um, to which all of the Northerners in the in the room like stand up and cheer. Um, you know, all hundred there left. Assuming there's not some like editing joke, right? And there could be. So far, we haven't been misled by trailers, right? Um, but I know that people are 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 uh, you know worried about not worried, but they they think that Ben and Weiss would do that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I assume that we'll get a short scene where. Where Daenerys and Sansa have like a make good, um, but it's interesting to have Missandei react like that. I wonder if, if that'll kind of come back again. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and I think before you get that, you still have this resolve of uh, Bronn. Right. There's been pretty much a single mercenary, not part of the Golden Company, that has been hired by Cersei and paid. And he always said, "Yep, that was his number one." thing he was worried about. You know what I mean? He, yeah. was, he wasn't picking sides. He was yeah. just going where the money is. Yeah, Tyrion asks him when they're when they've got the uh the scene with um uh I forget the name of uh the woman that he falls in love with, the prostitute from Noth. Um, oh, um or from Volantis. Uh C So he asks her <laughs> You don't have the one that Tywin fucks? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. He that. asks her. Uh, he asks when they're playing like kind of that that truth, truth, two truths and a lie game. Yeah. Uh, he, he asks Bronn like right before that, like you wouldn't kill me for the right amount of gold, would you? And he's like in a heartbeat. Yeah. And he tells Jamie a number of times, like you don't get to die yet. I kill you. Yeah. I mean, last season. Yeah. Near the end of last season. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if if Bronn is sneaky snaking the, uh, his way t- into the north. And you know. We don't know. You assume he doesn't fully succeed because... Oh, no, that's in the books. I'm sorry. In the books, uh, Maggie, is her name? The witch that yeah. child Cersei... Uh, her like last thing is that one of her little brothers will kill her. Right. Um, but I don't think that's in the TV show. The, the Valonqar will kill her. Right. Um, which is translated into, you know, the brother. She yeah. talks about Maggie the witch. Yeah, but I don't think that prophecy is yeah. mentioned in the show necessarily. But I still think that's probably going to happen. I mean... Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's, it's probably more likely that Arya will be wearing the face of one of the Lannister boys, um, and that's how Arya will get close. But that is just like pure guess, and that means that that one of them has to die. Yeah, Brent Brent was saying he feels more confident now that Jamie will be the Queen Slayer now that Arya kind of had her moment. But 
Yeah. Um, I don't know how they do that because it's still gonna just crush Jamie. Yeah. It would have to involve like seriously directly killing like Brienne. Yeah. Or like directly killing Tyrion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, and there's also the chance that Cersei lives. Yeah, I have a, a, a interesting question that it feels like an end of the podcast question, but I'll ask it here because it kind of segued there. Yeah. The uh, if you had to pick one person who's going to live out of those main groups, who's going to be around at the end of the series, mm-hmm. I would struggle like picking a easy go to at yeah. this point. Um, I, I just would. I have no idea. I, I still think that, that safe money, and my favorite bet is that Sansa wins the show. Yeah. Is that S- Sansa is, I think, objectively the best person to rule. Yeah. And she is savvy in a way that... She's got some Cersei in her. Right. She's she, Well, that's, that's the thing. Someone tells her, you've learned from the best. Right. Like, you worked with Olenna Tyrell, Cersei, Tyrion Lannister, Varys, like, Littlefinger... Even like Ramsey Bolton, like that that yeah. you don't not learn from that, right? Um, so it's 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 I I really do think that she is the most like learned person, and Arya even says she's the smartest person I've ever known, right? Um, which at this point Arya is basically like everyone's hero, so right? Maybe she gets to decide. Um, so who, if you were pressed, who would you think out of the main groups? And you can't pick Sansa now. She's off the draft table. Got it. Um, probably go with Tyrion. Yeah. I just don't see him putting himself in that situation. Yeah. I just think he, he makes political enemies easy, easily. And for a while now, it hasn't mattered that he makes political enemies. Like, obviously... Making an enemy out of Tywin caught him by surprise, but since then it hasn't mattered. He's been shielded, right? But like you know, once the war stops, the politicking starts back up again. I'm worried for Tyrion. I'll take John with my third pick, though, to make you pick two. Because I'm curious who you'd pick after Sansa, because that does feel like the best best bet. Yeah, um, I really think that we're still going to have um, uh, Brienne. I think I picked her originally in the beginning of the season to die, but I think that the Brienne is a she's made it past this point, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, it, you know, like Podrick. Like I don't really care if Podrick makes it. I mean, I do. I like the character. Yeah, but like he's he, not in that top tier of right. Yeah. Um, but but Brienne has really kind of completed an arc and is now she's she's the person with I think the brightest future moving forward. Um, you know, going from a disgraced uh, fighter. Fighting for a false king, um, accused of murdering him, to now becoming like the first like woman knight in Westeros, yeah, and like commander of the army that won the Battle of Winterfell against you know the Night's King, yeah, like fucking pretty yeah. cool, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah I mean, could, uh, the show could end with Sam writing in the book uh, of all the King's Guard. And writing about all of these people who functioned as King's Guards without being officially King's Guards, and just like writing all of their stories, because I mean George R. R. Martin's Samuel Tarley, right? Like we don't have to pretend, like, right? Yeah, <laughs> that, that facade has been torn down way before this. But <clears throat> you know, it could be that, that all of the great fighters die, and this was kind of the last age of heroes. 
Does she uh, get... Does she fight the mountain in the second season? Uh, At the like championship thing? Does she? Uh, I don't remember who she fights. It, no, she fights Loras. Oh, that's right. She fights Loras because Loras that's right, is that's right. the, the the Rainbow Knight. He's the 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 best, basically tournament fighter ever. Right. Um, beating Sir Arthur Dane at some point as yeah. like a, a younger fighter. Um, but yeah, that's that's the first time people see her, and she takes her helmet off, and everyone laughs at her. Right. Um, was in front of Brindley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's gonna be interesting. You know. This is another David Nutter episode. If you're not looking it up and waiting on us to keep, get you caught up on that, it looks like we're gonna go table setter, big battle, prologue. Yeah, or epilogue. Yeah, prologue would be great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I swear, man, the show's gonna end with the kid climbing up a window and John and Danny having sex and John going the things we do for love and pushing him out the window. Um, That's not like Brent's theory of how it ends, which is just like the battle happens, Cersei dies, good guys win, and then the Iron. The bank comes and yeah, like repose the iron throne. Yeah, you just hear like a like a truck backing up. And it's just just a, like someone standing next to an elephant. People are like, I knew they had elephants. Oh my god, that meme you sent me was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the yeah, so we've got a David Nutter episode. We're gonna we're gonna sell the pieces back up and start moving south. I would assume. Yes, yeah, start moving south. Or, what, do you, what do you think the battle happens? Where? Do you think it happens at King's Landing? Do you think it happens at the Neck? Well, it's, it's interesting because I was talking to my, my friend at work and, you know, I don't think that Cersei probably has the will of the people on her side. So King's Landing might be where you want to fight. Um, she has the Golden Company and she has what remains of the Lannister army after the loot train, but, you know, she doesn't... Like, this is, this is a group of commanders and military thinkers who have been using the people to rise up against their masters for, you know, eight seasons now, like presumably like six years. Mm -hmm. That's been their, their fighting tactic is, you know, using goodwill to mobilize. And so I don't hate the idea of sending, you know, Grey Worm and Tyrion to King's Landing to start like arming the people to rise up against. I mean, the problem with Cersei and that is that you do have, she is, Willing to use wildfire, which we presume presumably think she must have a ton of. I mean, I guess she could have blown it all up at the end of season six. Yeah, but well, there's apparently enough to level the whole city. Right. So she didn't do that. Right. Um, I don't know. Like that's that's where my mind goes. Is you know you've got you've had so many characters sneak in through sewers. So many people just like ride to a it's single a, it's castle. It's not Winterfell. It's a giant fucking city. I right. Mean, not hard to hide there if you're decent. Yeah, you've got people in the Lannister army. You know, Ed Sheeran is saying maybe crew. not, maybe not Grey Worm. <laughs> Stay down a little bit. What? Maybe not, not Grey Worm. Um, who'd you say to sit south? Tyrion or Grey Worm? Oh uh, yeah, I'll say maybe not Grey Worm. Oh, why not? Harder to hide. Oh right. <laughs> yeah, they do have that that scene with Missandei last episode yeah. where they're like black people. How weird. Right. Um, but it's so the second one we've ever seen on Westeros in the series of this. The the pirate. Yeah, like Stannis. Hires. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think we've seen one on Westeros. Yeah. So it'll be interesting because you've, you've basically got, she's got command of three armies. Um, and you've got like less than one now with all the casualties after that. I would be interested to see, uh, I, I, you know, we get some shots of, in the next time on, of like, there are like remaining garrisons of, 
uh, unsullied. Um, Ironborn. Yeah. like, fully strong. Yeah. Although, it, a lot of them are with Euron, but... Yeah, but if, if Yara comes back with her boat... With I'm, I'm, I was, you know, after the first episode, I said I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Yara again. I'll, I'll, I'll hold true to that, but I also wouldn't be surprised now if she joins back up. Yeah. Point. I think that there's going to, be a, going to be a big shift in the weather, and I think that it is going to be like winter ends in a snap, and in days, it's going to be spring. It looks bright. Yeah, and, uh, next week on. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so if you're Yara and you're at the Iron Islands, you might think like, well, it all of a sudden isn't winter now, right? You know, maybe like they they did it, but I'm gonna go sail down and check it out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, I think that there's there's still, you know, I don't want this to get like Deus Ex Machina, but you know, we haven't heard from Dorne in a long time. Obviously, Highgarden lost their leaders and lost the Tarleys. But, you know, there are still people there who are tired of the Lannisters, like, running around and stealing their food and, like, right. killing their men and raping their women. And that's that's true, like, all over. Like, it's not Tywin anymore who would rule with, like, an iron fist but still make his citizens prosperous. Right. These people haven't been prospering at all. No. They've got a, a, a troop of people who are eating all their food and destroying their land, plus the Ironborn who are doing the same thing. So, that's how I think that, that you know, episode five is going to go. Yeah. If, you know, and four is going to be more just... I, I think it ends at King's Landing, too. Like that's where episode five will take place, mainly. Um, or, you know, like Blackwater Bay. Yeah. Again. I hope I hope that, that, the, that the scene ends with somebody melting the Iron Throne. Not like as like for an attack, not for anything, but just whoever wins. If if it's not Cersei, I want them to melt the Iron Throne. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's the icon of the show, right? If anyone's gonna break the wheel, which is like my favorite way to look at all of this, is just like I I want to I want the thing that is least predictable that hasn't happened yet to happen. Yeah, because that's the whole like you know the the. The, the lost hero or the last hero whatever it's called the last time they beat the long night all he did was beat back the white walkers he right. didn't defeat them right so we've defeated the white walkers right like we may not see winter again it yep. could it could be constant spring and summer and spring and summer right um sounds hot yeah <laughs> real hot real hot hot damn well cool yeah so uh we'll be we might release a day late next week. We're not sure yet. We've got some personal business to take care of. We're being flown to the premiere of episode 804. No, we're not. Um, everyone knows we're not. We are flying to watch episode 804, though. Yeah. We will fly away and watch it and then fly back. Yeah. There's just other shit involved. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we'll see. Uh, so hopefully we've got this up t- uh, the our next recap up uh, on time, but you might just have to wait a day. Uh, by the time this posts, you can go spoiler nuts <laughs> in our TV group. Yeah, I uh, didn't mean to lay the hammer down immediately, <laughs> but I just don't want—I don't want to be like that guy in, in Hong Kong who got like the crap beat out of him for spoiling Endgame. Um, I don't want people to ever do that, but I also don't want to be a catalyst for that. Right. Um, so anyway, I was just thinking like I should just throw it to TJ for the outro and <laughs> make him do it. You look like you're you're doing the brand face. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, I'll be leaving now. <laughs> TJ just warged into ravens and flew away. <laughs> uh, 
So this has been Talk Talk <laughs> Podcast at MediaBios.com. You can find us on Facebook at, at our page, The Media Bios. You can like our groups, TV Bios, Movies Bios, Games Bios. We police spoilers there um, in all three of those. Uh, you can send us an email, TheMediaBios at gmail.com. You can tweet us at the media bios. We haven't really... We should be live tweeting these, but then again, spoilers, so meh. Um, you can uh, like us and subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice. We would appreciate it. And uh, special thanks to Will Walker for the intro. More. And to Boo Reaver for the outro. Boo Reaver. And thanks to TJ. Thanks, Chris. Bye bye. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes. Long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. <laughs> <laughs>